Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Welcome to Piers Morgan Uncensored. It was the interview that almost brought down the royal family. Martin Bashir's 1995 BBC Panorama interview sent shockwaves around the world, but last year a report found that he deceived Princess Diana's brother, Earl Spencer, to secure the bombshell revelations. One of the victims of that deception, William and Harry's former nanny, Tiggy Leg Burke, has been awarded substantial damages by the BBC over smears made against her. Bashir claimed she was having an affair with Prince Charles and even invented an aborted pregnancy. Well, now Earl Spencer has called for serious repercussions against those to blame. He tweeted, Well, I'm delighted to see that another innocent victim of this appalling scandal is being vindicated. It's amazing to me that no criminal charges have been levelled against those responsible yet. Well, joining me now is former BBC Panorama senior producer Mark Killick, who was sacked after trying to raise concerns about the interview, and Dickie Arbiter, who was the Queen's press secretary when the Bashir interview, uh, interview took place. Well, welcome to both of you. Um, Mark Killick, this is a really bad day for the BBC, coming after a lot of bad days in this scandal, frankly. But the idea that the BBC's had to issue another grovelling apology to William and Harry's former nanny over really disgraceful smears and... and, and untrue claims and has now been awarded substantial damages. What do you make of this? You were part of the Panorama team that, that, that put out this interview and I know that you yourself were appallingly treated and we'll come to that. What do you make of today's revelations? Well, I mean, it's, it's good news for Tiggy Leg Ball. Let, let's be honest about that. The, the, the real tragedy is that it took so long for the BBC uh, to make this apology uh, and pay this compensation. And I think Tiggy made it clear in her, in her court statement that she felt uh, the process had been overly dragged out, the BBC was, was dragging its feet. And I think that's been the story all the way through, frankly, uh, that the victims of, of, of this scandal have had to fight for the apologies. It hasn't been given gracefully. Uh, I think the BBC hasn't covered itself in glory, even in this late stage, though in, in fairness to Tim Davey, at least he started the process of and has tried to cleanse the stable. Now, for those who are coming to this completely new today, or perhaps watching from around the world, in America and Australia, where the show airs, just very briefly summarise exactly what has happened here. Martin Bashir 
did this bombshell interview. We all remember watching it. The world watched this interview. Shocking revelations from start to finish. It precipitated a whole chain of events that led to the divorce between Diana and Charles. So enormous repercussions. The Queen ordered them to, to settle things after this because it was simply untenable. Uh, but it then began to... Rumours began to circulate that Bashir may have used dirty tricks to try and persuade Diana to do it. This then later, it turned out, uh, involved forging bank statements in which he was claiming to Earl Spencer, look, all these people have been paid money to basically betray your sister. And then that wormed him into the trust and then Diana agreed to the interview. Is that, is that pretty much where we are with this story? Well, it is pretty much, and it is first worth saying that we were all mesmerised. It was a global scoop, and on Panorama, we celebrated. But uh, I was very quickly uh, bought uh, the bank statements by the graphic designer who produced them at Martin Bashir's request, and they were clearly false, and the narrative they told just didn't look credible. Uh, I took legal advice in the BBC and referred the matter uh, up the chain of command and was told within 24 hours uh, that I wouldn't be required in the show anymore. The programme only wanted loyal people. Uh, as the BBC investigated, it became, became very clear that senior management didn't want to know the truth either, that uh, those of us who were trying to, to look at this and work out what had happened, and it was a fairly horrific story of, 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 of deception in, on an industrial scale and the exploitation of you know, frankly, a vulnerable woman. Uh, but the BBC management decided, in my judgment at least, that they'd rather cover it up than face the truth. You were sacked, you were branded a troublemaker, uh, all for just raising red flags that turned out to be completely correct and should have been acted upon. There was a massive cover-up. As with all these things, the cover-up was almost worse than the original offence. Uh, and we're now in a situation where well, the BBC has made a series of apologies uh, paid out a, a load of money, and Earl Spencer has today come out and said he thinks that there should be journalists connected with this who should be prosecuted, or management who should be prosecuted. What's your view of that? Well, when you stand back and, 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 and you think about the forgery, you think about the industrial-scale deceptions, uh, you think about the exploitation uh, of, of, of Diana, that, that they're horrific things on the one hand. Uh, and that's a matter, you know, if it's criminal, for the CPS... But also, I think you, 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 have to, you have to accept the fact that Bashir had to resign his job, uh, that he's been, he's been humiliated, he's been disgraced, he's been labelled uh, a dishonest reporter by a high court judge. So he's not... You know, he, he, he's, he has suffered too. I think the real issue is the police have looked at the Dyson report, and they make it clear, they looked at the Dyson report to decide whether you know, a criminal threshold has been reached. And I think... My issue is that the story is wider than Lord Dyson's report, and Lord Dyson accepts, accepts this. I think the police and the CPS, to make a fully informed decision, has to talk to Charlie Spencer, has to talk to Tiggy, has to talk to some of the others, mm. and what will emerge from that is a wider story than the police are seeing just by looking at the, the Dyson report itself. Right, so Dickie Arbiter, you were the Queen's uh, press secretary at the time, and this was an absolute earthquake, wasn't it? I was in the newspaper game at the time, and we were all just open-mouthed watching this interview. Uh, every single... We were open-mouthed. Every, sec every second was, was like a, a, a bombshell, wasn't it? What were you feeling watching it? Well, we were watching a bombshell. Um, we were told a couple of hours before the transmission 
although Steve Hewlett, sadly he died in 2017 of cancer, was very bullish in that he, he claimed he told Buckingham Palace a couple of weeks beforehand. And if you denied it and argued with him, you'd be verbally beaten up. Now, the thing is that those in the know were Steve Hewlett, who was the editor of Panorama, Director General John Burt, and Head of News um, Tony Hall. They were the ones that knew. They kept out of the frame. Now, this is interesting because nobody's actually bringing it up. They kept out of the frame the chairman of the BBC, Marmaduke Hussey. Mm. Why? Because his wife was lady-in-waiting to the Queen. Mm. And if he knew, then the Queen would know. So they kept key people out of the frame while they kept the, the sort of coterie, Hewlett, Hall and Burt, completely keeping the whole thing under wraps. It was, to my mind, a shameful interview. The way the BBC has handled it subsequently is shameful. Why it's taken 27 years to pay uh, a compensation to Tiggy Lake Burke, who's lived with this cloud since 1995, it's all wrong. And there needs to be a proper investigation by proper people. I'm not sure the police are the right people because they seem to fail on every investigation they do. But do you think Earl Spencer has a, has a point when he thinks that there should be criminal charges here? Very difficult on criminal charges. If it, criminal charges should be levied, they should be on Bashir because at the end of the day, he forged documents. Did he forge legitimate documents? That is the question. Or were they just made up? They, they, they were fake documents in the first place. BBC, did they actually commit a crime? No, they didn't commit a crime, although they were complicit in the transmission of what has proved to be a fake and a lie from the beginning to the end. There's a clip we've got, I think, of Prince William uh, talking about this interview and the impact that it had. Have we got that clip? I think it, it, it's had it is great my view impact on the deceitful family. way the interview was obtained substantially influenced what my mother said. The interview was a major contribution to making my parents' relationship worse and has since hurt countless others. Now, Dickie, here's the rub with this. I'm sure William absolutely believes that and was completely incensed and has remained incensed ever since with the BBC and Bashir for what went down. And obviously, he was a young man when this interview was aired and it would have had a huge impact. It led directly to his parents getting divorced. However, and it's quite a big however, I think, in terms of how history will look back at this, I had lunch with Diana and Prince William at Kensington Palace about six months after this interview aired. And I talked to her about the interview. And I said, do you have any regrets? And she said, none. She said she was glad she said what she said. She wanted to say it in public. She was glad she had her say. And she had no regrets. Now, that wasn't just in the immediate aftermath. That was after a lot of furore, uh, a lot of consequences. And she had concluded that actually she was glad she did it. Does that change, do you think, how we should view all this? Well, it's quite interesting you say that you had lunch with her six weeks after the interview. I saw her two days after the interview, and I said, why the hell did you do that? She said, she shrugged her shoulders and said, yeah, I'm sorry I did it. It's a bit like when she helped Andrew Morton in 1992. She was sorry she did it. Was she, uh, was she being honest? I really don't know. 
The trouble with Diana at the time, she was very vulnerable. She felt that people were spying on her. Her own staff were spying on her. Uh, Prince Charles's staff were spying on her. None of us were spying on her. Often we gave her advice, which she didn't like, but she had, uh, adhered to. Uh, wouldn't talk to me up for several weeks afterwards if I gave her something, advice about something that she wanted to do, which was a bad idea. But she'd come back and, you know, we would start talking again. So she was vulnerable. She was... I won't say paranoid, although uh, a number of MPs did call her paranoid and friends of Prince Charles called her paranoid. She wasn't paranoid, but she was, she was a lonely lady. She was a very complicated lady and she felt that everybody was against her because they were against her, her apartment, eight and nine at Kensington Palace, were being bugged. Yeah, I mean, she was a complicated lady. Uh, Mark Killy, just finally to you, I mean, it just was interesting to me. It was actually six months after this. It was quite a long time had, had gone past, and a lot of scrutiny, analysis, fallout and so on. But she was pretty firm with me that she did not regret it. Does that make any difference to, to you in, in terms of your involvement with all this? I'm, I'm, I'm not sure it does. I, 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 I think the issues are, uh, you know, the, the breach of, of journalistic ethics... I think the issues are the way the BBC decided to uh, to cover it up rather than to rather than to investigate it. Uh, I think the issue as well is the message it sent to the whole of the BBC uh, news staff. The fact is, you know, if you if you wanted to whistleblow, you were gonna you were gonna lose your job. You were gonna get in trouble. That's the message it sent, and I think that echoed on for a generation, frankly, which yeah. is fairly scary. When you look at some of the other scandals when people say. Why didn't anybody say anything? Well, you know what happens when you do say stuff. Yeah. Uh, I can't really help in terms, of, in, in, in terms of Diana herself. I do wonder whether, having done it, she decided to tough it out. Well, she was very stubborn like that, and she might well have done, actually. I mean, I think, Mark, you were treated absolutely appallingly, and I'm glad that you're very belatedly getting completely vindicated uh, in the way that you have been, but you should never have gone through all this. And one thing I can say, and I think, Dickie, you would probably <laughs> go along with this, had, you know, when I was an editor of the Daily Mirror at the time, had I, had I been the one that had done this, forged documents to persuade Dan to do this and spread these kind of rumours about Tiggy Ledbert, you can just imagine what the BBC would have said about a tabloid editor and a tabloid newspaper. They would certainly have been leading the charge for the most punitive possible uh, recriminations. And that, I think, is where this slightly sticks in my gullet, is that the BBC, at the time this was all happening... They were the ones sticking it to all the tabloids about them and their ethics. I remember it because I was one of the targets. So there's a certain schadenfreude. It, it, it was the BBC's, Piers, it was the BBC's phone hacking moment. Right. Uh, and they singly failed it. Yeah. Dickie, um, final word to you on this. What will happen, do you think? I think at the end of the day, the BBC felt they're untouchable. They still feel that they're untouchable. There is an attitude that permeates, and it's an arrogance uh, that permeates that, yeah, we're the BBC, you can't touch us. Uh, they'll cover up and they'll keep covering up. But this is really out in the open and it needs to be investigated properly. It needs to be an extension of Lord Dyson to go deeper into it, to really hammer and question Messrs Burton Hall, because they were the ones at the top. As I yeah. said earlier, Steve Hewlett is dead. He can't answer the question. But Burton Hall can answer the questions and they should be made to answer those questions. Yep, completely agree. Uh, Dickie Arbiter, Mark Kelly, thank you very much. Really appreciate it. Well, back in June, Sharon Osbourne told her fellow Talk TV panellists that her husband, rock legend Ozzy, needed major surgery and it was an operation 
which would determine the rest of his life. And she hasn't left his side since. But over the weekend, Ozzy was spotted for the first time since leaving hospital out and about with Sharon and the kids in LA. I'm delighted to say Sharon joins me now live. Sharon, good evening to you. Good evening, my darling. Now, I've spent the last 20 minutes boasting about the fact it was going to be you and Ozzy, and he's done a runner. He's a bastard tonight, <laughs> let me tell you. Now he's, now he's back walking, he's a diva. <laughs> Before it was like, oh, you know, the nicest guy, you know, please mm. help me do this, do that. Now he's walking, he's like, oh, I don't want to do it. I'm not doing this, I'll do this. So he's become a diva again. Well, he thinks quite... he's bloody Beyonce. <laughs> well, I quite like the fact he's a diva again because it means he's healthy again, at least. And he's been, let's be honest, <laughs> Oz Ozzy's been through a hell of a series of health battles, hasn't he? He diagnosed with a form of Parkinson's. He had a rough bout of COVID. And then he had this surgery on his... I think on his neck, right? It's all, and does this all it go back, Sharon? Does it all go back to when he had the, the, the terrible quad bike accident? A part of it, yes. Yes, part of it, because then he had another serious fall on his neck and then it um, affected his spine because the spinal column was trapped. Mm. So it's, it's just been... It's like a domino effect. You do one thing medically, then another thing happens and another, and it's just been nearly... It's three and a half years of just nightmare. But you know what? There's light now, and he's walking great. He's mm. got no more pain. He's a pain in my ass because he's now a diva, <laughs> but I don't mind. <laughs> but he's good. And, is he, um, how he's, is he feeling? Other than being good. a diva, how is he feeling? He's doing good because there's no pain. The last mm. operation fixed all the pain that he'd been in for, you know, three and a half years. So that way, you know, it's, it's like lifting, you know, a huge weight from him. So... You know, he's busy doing promotion for his record that's coming out in September and he's he's loving life right now. Is he going to be able to, to perform live tour again, do you think? Yes, next year, definitely. Well, that's, I mean, that's amazing. Yes. Given, given where he was, he must be thrilled, huh? Oh, it's, it's like a miracle, Piers, and he's like, you know, his song, Iron Man. He really is Iron mm. Man. I mean, he comes back over and over again. Yeah. <laughs> He does. He's unbelievable. I mean, I know that it, yeah. I know it's been really rough for you because we've had a few, you know, quite intense conversations in the last couple of years about Aussie's various health things. You're unbelievably close to each other. You were on the other side of the world a couple of times when he was, you know, taken with COVID and then he had to have the surgery and stuff. It's been it's been rough for you, Sharon. How have you dealt with it all? Oh, it's you know, it's not just me, it's the whole family because, you know, you're you're always on edge like this. You know, every cough, every you know, every time he would stumble trying to walk, I mean you're just on edge. But it's you know, it's just behind us and now all we can do is just, you know, hope and look into the light and everything's gonna be fine. And listen, ten days ago Jack had his baby girl. Mm. Yes. And so that's brought such joy, and Kelly's pregnant. It's, so it's what fantastic. Could be the Osborne Breeding Factory is alive and well. It is. <laughs> it is. We're back in business. <laughs> <laughs> are, they, are they basically breeding the next generation of wild rock chicks and blokes? I hope so. <laughs>
but... Uh, <laughs> well, look, please, send, uh, Sharon, send them know, all my very best, won't you? Aussie, uh, Kelly and Jack. I want to talk to you, if I can, just about a couple of things in the news, because we, we miss you on the talk. I'll wait for you to be back on that. I want to talk to you about a couple of things. One, your reaction to this extraordinary story of that Diana interview that we all remember so well and the appalling fallout where it turns out Martin Bashir just basically forged documents to persuade people around Diana yes. that all sorts of stuff was going down, including Tiki, Tiki Ledbert, the boy's, the boy's nanny, having an affair with Charles, you know, having an abortion after being impregnated by himself, all complete nonsense, but all designed to get into Diana's paranoid mind so that she did the interview. What do you think of it? Yes. I mean, it's horrendous. You would never believe that this could have gone on with the BBC, that, you know, their credibility, their, you know, the biggest news agency in the world, everything they do is, you know, perfect, perfect. They're the perfect news station. And it's like, look at what they did to a family. Mm. Just think if they hadn't have done that, that marriage might have turned out very, very differently. Yeah. Just think about that. Yeah. Everybody's lives would have turned out so differently. And it's appalling. It's like unthinkable to think of the damage mentally, physically, that the BBC did to the royal family. And not just the royal family, people that were very loyal to them. Yes. I mean, Tiggy was unbelievably loyal. You know, never it, gave interviews, never talked yeah, about them. Total never, soul of discretion. Never, ever. Yeah. And the thing is, it too, the nation turned... Listen, divorced, you never get involved in people's divorces, mm. ever. That's one thing I've learned. But with everything that was being reported, Charles looked such, so bad, yeah. so bad. Yeah. And the whole nation at that time were against him and it was all for, you know, about, Di about Diana. But it's, you know, I get that. But... If they hadn't have done that, maybe they could have got their marriage back together and, you know, who knows what could have happened. Yeah. The other royal thing that's been in the news is big, this big Tom Bauer book about uh, Meghan and Harry paints a pretty uh, yeah. awful picture, actually, of the pair of them. And we have this bizarre speech by Harry on Nelson Mandela Day this week, sort of linking his, their own struggle for freedom with Nelson Mandela's 27 years in, in prison. What, what do you make of these two? What, what's going on with them? I think they're lost and I think that they're trying to find their their place in the world. I think they're totally lost. Mm. You know, one minute they're making a cartoon, then they're doing a documentary on them, now they're saving the world. They just haven't found their path in life yet. I, I really believe that. They're lost, they're floundering. Should they be... But, Sharon, my point is, they can do what the hell they like, but should they be allowed to use the royal titles to fleece the system and make all this money and pretend to be like a rival royal family. That's what sticks in my gullet about it. Yeah, I, I just don't... I, I'm, I haven't, from day one, been into the fact of, you know, talking about private things that went on in the royal family when they were a part of it. And the thing is, it's just their point of view. We haven't had the other point of mm. view. And it's like, don't... Don't bring it to the public. Nobody wants to know about it. Every family has problems. Keep it to yourself. Yeah. Keep it to yourself. Yeah. And I just, I just think that from day one, they've handled it very badly. And you know what? They wanted their freedom. They have it. But they want more than just their freedom. They want to be two very important people politically.
Yeah, but they want their royal and, cake and eat it. But um, I think if they keep poking their nose into American and uh, political affairs and the Constitution and so on, it's not going to end well, I can tell them that. Oh, um, I want to talk to you also about... It's like he's, a, he's only... He's, I was just going to say, he's only been here two minutes and he wants to run the country. It's like, hold on. <laughs> <laughs> it's completely absurd. Um, talking about Dave Chappelle. So Dave Chappelle, I don't know if you'd be following this, but he did this big Netflix special. He told some, some trans jokes. You know, some people thought it was funny, including trans people. Other people, including other trans people, hated it. One of them cancelled. Netflix stood by him. But he was due to play in uh, a gig in Minneapolis yesterday and they cancelled it, the organisers, at the last minute and issued this ridiculous, mm -hmm. pompous statement about how, you know, they hadn't been aware that it wouldn't be a safe space for employees and so yeah. on. Uh, what do you make of this? It comes at a time when John Cleese actually has come out with an interesting comment about the threat to comedy at the moment from this cancel culture. Here's, here's what John Cleese had to say. A lot of comedians now uh, are sitting there and when they think of something, they start thinking, oh, could I get away with that? I don't think so. So-and-so got into trouble when he said that or she said that. You see what I mean? And that's the death of creativity. And I, I think he's... Look, I'm not a big fan of John Cleese, uh, to be honest, these days. He's a bit of a miserable old bore and he can't stand me, but that's, uh, that's neither here nor there. Oh, I, think, I love him. I think Shush, I love him. Well, we'll agree to disagree about him. Uh, I'll probably get on fire with him, actually. If you're watching, John, come and do an interview. Um, but here's what... It's, it's the statement that really made me puke. The Dave Chappelle show tonight at First Avenue has been cancelled. Uh, to staff, artists and our community, we hear you. We are sorry. We know we must hold oh. ourselves to the highest standards. We let you down. We're not just a blank box of people in it. We understand First Avenue is not just a room, but meaningful beyond our walls. The team and you have worked hard to make our venues the safest spaces in the country and will continue with that mission. We believe in diverse voices and the freedom of artistic expression, but in honouring that, we lost sight of the impacts it would have. I mean, what a load of old guff. Right. What, they really, what, they, what just, they really mean is... It's just... We are going to decide what you're allowed to find funny. That's it. It's ridiculous. It's, again, a case of freedom of speech. This man is a brilliant writer, a brilliant comic, and when you watch him, he just doesn't tell silly jokes one after the mm. other to try and offend. It always comes with a story, and there's always the beginning, middle and end, and it always comes around to, well, what do you think about it? This is what I think, and he does it. Uh, superbly. The point is, funny. he's not. He's not Listen, transphobic. If we, if we can't, he's not transphobic. No, but, he, no, but he thinks you should be able to tell. You should be able to tell jokes about trans people, like we tell jokes about everybody. And actually, they're funny as jokes. Course. And the thing is, the thing is, if there, um, if there are many trans people that don't that he offends, it's very, very simple. Don't watch. Yes. Turn it off. Go and watch something else. I but there are also millions of people that love him that do want to watch him. I'm one of them. I think he's a genius. Oh, no question. But the thing is, it's like... It's simple. Why do people make such a big deal about... You know what he does, you know what he's famous for, don't watch it. Simple. I think, I think if we can't tell inappropriate jokes anymore, you and I are going to have to go and live on a desert island somewhere with Ozzy. Oh, God, we might as well live in bloody Russia. I mean, <laughs> if you can't laugh, right? It's... You've got to laugh, you know. You've got to have irony. You've, you've got to laugh. With the, work, the state of the world right now, if you can't go out or watch something at home that's funny... What are we going to do? Do you know what I read the other day? Is that there's lots of WhatsApp groups now that everybody's on 
where inappropriate jokes are told because it's in secret. And I thought, how incredible, what a damning indictment of our society. In a way, it is a bit like Russia or North Korea or China, where people feel they have to, they have to go is. underground to crack a joke in case yes. somebody's upset and, you, yeah. and you, you end up losing your job or your livelihood. Exactly. I mean, all the time people send me things and I'm like, where the hell did you find that? <laughs> you know, and some of them are funny, some of them aren't, but it's like, who the hell is making all this stuff? But some of it is very funny. Sharon, fantastic. And, you know, it's, it's humour. Of course it's humour. Uh, Go on. Sharon, great to talk to you. Send Ozzy my best. Tell him I'm sorry he bottled it, but as soon as, he's, as, soon as he grows a pair, get on this show and be uncensored <laughs> for me. He owes me one, all right? He owes you big time, and I'm going to tell him he's got to come on and do a river dance for you. Yes, he has. I look forward to seeing him <laughs> okay. uh, very soon. Sharon, great to talk to you. All I'm right. so glad the old man's... Back Love on his feet. Tears. I know how worried you've been as a family. He is indomitable. He's indestructible. And unfortunately, he he's not on he the is. show. <laughs> but we will see him <laughs> soon. Sharon, great to see you. All right. All the best. Loves you. Bye. Well, from one impossibly glamorous lady to three of them, tonight's stellar press pack. I mean, talk about being spoiled. A talk TV political to Kate McCann is making her debut in my studio. Talk TV's international editor, even more lofty title, Isabel Ogshaw, and journalist and broadcaster Emily Sheffield. Time to get inappropriate and uncensored. I can't bet they can't wait. Look at them. Right around. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code PROGRAM. Well, welcome back to Charlie's Angels. Here I am with Talk TV International Editor Isabel Hugshot, journalist and broadcaster Emily Sheffield, and Talk TV's political editor Kate McCann, who is gracing us with her regal presence this evening for the first time in my studio. Well, welcome. Thank you very much. What, what are your thoughts? Do you like it? It's bigger than I expected. <laughs> Just say that to all the hosts. Um, let's talk about talking you're bigger than expected. Uh, Liz Truss, this new poll coming out tonight, YouGov, showing a much bigger than expected lead amongst Conservative Party members who will decide this eventually as to who they want to uh, run the country, way ahead, way bigger than it was last time. 
if you're Rishi Sunak, you're worried, aren't you? Yeah, I think you are. And I think that's why the conversation so far has been all about what MPs think in Westminster. But it's almost completely irrelevant because this next stage moves to the members. And this poll shows you what they really think, which is that Liz Truss is the person for them. And that's why this tax conversation about tax cuts, when they should happen, mm. how big they should be, is absolutely vital. I think it's, it's, the, it's the big decision, right? Yeah. Because they now have a clear divide between Rishi Sunak, who keeps talking about, I'm the real Thatcher, in other words, actually, to start with, she actually put up some taxes and then, when the economy recovered, she yeah. then slashed them. Whereas Liz Truss says, actually, I'm the real Thatcher. She mentioned Thatcher's name three times in one sentence today. And she says, because, actually, I believe in small government and cut, cut, cut the taxes. Yeah. You can't have both. So the, the party has to make a call about which way it goes. Yeah, and the party has to make a call about what conservatism is. And what's mm. been happening for quite a long time is that the party in Westminster has actually moved away from what the membership in the country is. And mm. we've seen that in elections. Yes, Boris Johnson held the red wall, but that was a shift in itself. And look what's been happening in the South in mm. those seats that the party used to rely on. They're not Tory anymore. They're Lib Dem. And that's a problem that the party's recognised, but no-one's really done anything about. And this could be the deciding factor for the direction it goes. And, crucially, what happens at the next general election? Because when you look at the polling there, it's not the same. The general population prefer Rishi Sunak over Liz Truss, and that's a problem. Do the membership go for who they will win the next election mm. with or who they prefer when it comes to their heart? Well, Emily, that's a good point, because he's been, she's been saying... Sorry, he's been saying, Rishi Sunak today, I, I've got a better chance of winning the election. This is the bigger picture that's going on here. But actually, some of the most recent polling today shows even that is narrowing now. Mm -hmm. And that actually, if, if you ask who they think will beat Keir Starmer, I think Liz Truss is pretty well up with him now. So she's making a lot of inroads here into Rishi Sunak's apparently unassailable mm -hmm. position. If I'm his camp, I'm worried about this. His camp will be worried about it, but I think it is still early days. We don't have long, because most of those ballots are going to get returned in early August, and I think time mm. is running out for Sunak. But she's come out with her big tax-cutting... Mm. The Tories have been totally wrong for the last 20 years. Um, it's all about tax cuts. As long as we tax cut, there's going to be mega-growth, everything's going to be fine. I don't need to find any money for all these big spending splurges. She's going up for 3% on defence. Mm. That's just, you know, there was another one giving tax breaks to families today. Sounds great, sounds sexy, more money in our pockets, um, take away, uh, give us big tax cuts. But is any of it real? Because it's just got to be said, there have been some quite clever people sitting in that Chancellor mm. chair over the last 20 years. So they're all wrong. Apparently, also, you can, there is you can some cut rubber... taxes right. and, and you're going to get growth, and it's literally as simple as that. I mean, well, if it's that Isabel, simple, there... why do we need a Treasury Well, exa at all? exactly. And, Isabel, there is some <laughs> amusing footage of Miss Trust actually applauding people like Philip Hammond when they sit down after <laughs> basically doing the complete opposite to what she now says that she, you know, that she hated all this stuff. Mm. Really, were well, you were applauding and slapping him on the back? Well, look, I'm going to stick my neck out here and say that Liz Truss is going to win this contest and she's going to win it by a really big margin. But look, should she win it? Look, no, no one ever... I don't lose the election. No, no one ever read. voted for more of the same. I mean, I am astounded that Rishi Sunak's team think that they can win this by saying, I'm just going to carry on with the historically high taxes that I've imposed... 70-year high, is that really going to appeal we to the Tory membership? We have just been in a two-year pandemic. There's a war in Ukraine, right? There's, I well, mean, this is, these are incredibly up. serious times. I'm reminded of that movie, The American President, with Michael Douglas, when he eventually rounds on his opponent who's attacking him and he says, these are serious times that require serious people, Bob. Well, and I, I thought of that today and I was like, 
isn't Sunak... I mean, the Times leader today came out in favour of Sunak, saying, mm. we need a grown-up with a massive brain. And actually, it seems to me Sunak is that guy. Now, will the members go for the massive brain or will they go for Mother Christmas? Well, to dishing be, out to all be the fair, treats? to be fair, she also has a massive brain. I mean, this is a woman with a degree from Oxford and plenty of credible experience of her own right. What they will go for is the candidate who wrote the, lead, the opinion piece in the Daily Mail today, which ticks every single one of the membership's boxes. She's talking about making an opportunity of Brexit and don't imagine that Brexit has gone away as an issue for the membership. She's talking about getting rid of wokery, something that should appeal yes, to I'm you. She's talking about ending this culture of talking down our country, our history and yeah. our culture. Look, this ticked every single yeah. box. All Rishi Sunak has to offer is a pretty glossy campaign and telling us that we're all going to have to put up with years more taxes. Right, Kate, I mean, it's not uh, really a I winning, a winning but to be agenda. Fair, he's, he's not said that. He has not said that. He said, I've got to deal with inflation first yeah. and then I'm going to cut taxes. He said, he said, if we try is, and slash them now, inflation the will get worse. Yeah, that is right. the traditional Tory stance and I think you're quite right. I think a lot of us, a lot of people who have been Tories for many years, are right to be thinking, what is going on here? Yes. Because they're both appealing to different elements of the Tory yes. party. And the Tax victim, cuts, yes, but what about the fiscal may be the party. Rod Little made an interesting point today where I think he, he wrote a conflict in Spectator or somewhere saying... It's all been way too quick, this process. And that within a week, we've gone from Boris Johnson to the final two. Mm -hmm. And that's nowhere near long enough. You know, in America, they go through a much longer nomination process. Have we based? Well, I I just think in the end, the point point about a nomination process is it's very rigorous. In America, you go through debate after debate after debate. We've had, what, two debates, and here we are. The final two, take it or leave it. Just decided, as you say, by 150,000 people. Yeah, it's funny you say that. I was talking to an MP, Tory MP, who's been around for a really long time in Parliament, and he was saying, I think our party has got too used to the, the really quick cycle of things mm. changing. If you think about just the last five years, everything has changed on a kind of year and a half, maybe even mm. two years. And it's almost like the party's got so addicted to that cycle mm. that they just need to shake everything up. I mean, if you wish you soon that, you might think, you know what? All right, all right, Miss Truss. We go then. You're going to have a nightmare two years, right? The war is going to get mm-hmm. worse before it gets better. Yeah. The pandemic is by no means over, right? You've got the worst financial crisis we've had probably in living memory. You add all those things up, this could be the worst hospital pass that any prime minister has ever had to inherit. I and mean, you could do. And, then, and then who comes out after the election when she gets a drubbing, say, from Keir Starmer, which may or may not happen? Yeah. But if, if that happens, in sales, Rishi is the saviour. So it might be a good one to lose. Oh, I don't know. I mean, no-one ever really wants to be leader of the opposition as opposed to being prime minister. I imagine mm. that if he You're not loses... thinking of time like this? I think I'd rather be leader of the opposition. Oh, there are some no, Tories and... who are saying, actually, we could do with a spell in opposition. And, and yeah. Not many, exactly not many, need, but a few. Way. But they're yeah. going to be out for a long time, I think. So I, I don't imagine that happens. By the way, you know, I was talking up Liz Truss big time, but I, I mean, don't underestimate how rough around the edges that campaign is relative to Rishi's incredibly smooth machine, yeah, yeah, yeah. which is packed full of people. I've got to say, I had a long chat with him at Law's Cricket Ground last year. Very pleasant. Uh, and he was he was really, like, it was a group of people. He was very effortlessly charming, yeah. very direct. If you asked him yeah. a question, he gave you a straight answer. What I love most of all, he goes and does cricket nets at the Oval with his son. Yeah. Uh, and I said to him, are you a, a defensive prodder? I imagine you are. He went, absolutely not. I'm a front-foot, aggressive, attacking batsman. <laughs> Okay, there's a bit of flair in there. But more importantly, he was at Goldman Sachs. This guy's got an amazing brain for the economy. I look at Liz Trust and I think, yeah, you're ticking all those boxes. You're kind of Thatcherite. I get it. I can see why the members might like it. 
But I'm also thinking, have you got what it takes to get this country out of this massive economic mess? Mm. And a lot of smart economic people think cutting taxes right now would be a disaster. I think that's why this contest is still wide open. I know it's sort of going in her direction at the moment. But let's just remember, the members so far, they, they, they went for Penny Mordaunt, then they switched yeah. to Kemi, and now they're on truss. Mm -hmm. And Sunak's always been there, you know, at the bottom. He may be the one that comes out at the end, mm -hmm. because... I, 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 I don't claim to really understand the Tory party anymore, but <laughs> I do know that the Tory members are mostly, who are voting on this, are mostly based in the south-east. Yeah. And most yeah. of them do tend to be centrist. Yes, they go to the right, but there is a very real danger that Liz, who has now adopted the sort of far right of the party and is now talking up, oh, don't listen to economists, mm. don't listen to the establishment, I've got this brave new plan, which apparently no economist or any chancellor could possibly have thought of in the last 20 years, which is cut taxes, growth, boom. Mm. I mean, it, it sounds like rubbish. It's going to work. It is going to be rubbish. It's, gonna it's gonna not going to work. It's a gamble to take with the, with the nation's finances. Let's take a short break. And you never know, they might come back and say, actually, Rishi's still the one talking sense. They might. Welcome back to Piers' Angels. I don't all right, all right, all right. I think we agree to that. Well, are you denying being angelic? What's the matter with you? We are not angels. We're not angels. It's a compliment. <laughs> well, exactly. That's the problem. It's, it's <laughs> actually... It's Trey's descriptions was yeah. the issue there, not, <laughs> not potential offence. <laughs> right, let's talk about uh, the BBC, because, Isabel, um, another scandal... You know, coming off Savile and all these things, you've now got the BBC really caught with its trousers down on this, where you have Martin Bashir, their king interviewer, with the greatest scoop of all time, the Diner interview, mm. which led to all the consequences, being exposed as a complete charlatan yeah. who just used fake documents to try and create an atmosphere of paranoia around her. And now Tigilo Burt being paid off by the BBC. Yeah. I'm just thinking, if a tabloid had done this, I mean, A, the editor would have resigned or yeah. been sacked, yeah. right? as would other senior executives. Yeah. And the BBC would have, been would have, all led, over it. Would have yeah. led the charge. But isn't it quite delicious, in a way, to see this sanctimonious institution actually having to admit that it was guilty of things that were yeah. as bad or quite fantastically much worse than many of the things that the tabloids were doing. Should they be prosecuted, some of the BBC management who so, were involved, and indeed Martin Bashir, as Earl Spencer says? So, I'm not actually in favour of that. I think that the BBC apology today was utterly humiliating. Why I've should some seen... journalists have gone to jail for phone hacking, but Martin Bashir, if it's all true, as we believe it now is, remains at liberty without any prosecution for what he did? Well, that's a good question. I mean, I don't think we should get into the phone hacking here because that's a whole other story. I'm not, I'm not equating. Um, I'm just saying journalists yeah. have been put in prison. They, they have been, and, and the BBC would have, would have been all over that like a rash. Um, I, I don't feel now that there would be much to be gained from prosecutions. Clearly, the BBC would never, ever allow any of what happened then to happen well, now. said that after Savile, then it turns out this was all going on too. Kate, interesting thing on the back of this, fascinating... A survey came out today saying that the top news source in the country now for teenagers, Instagram, number two, TikTok. This is for news. Number three, YouTube. Four, ITV, my former employer. And the BBC, once the great bastion of trusted news for everybody, languishing at number five. I don't think these things are, are not linked. I think they're linked. I think there's been a breakdown in trust in the BBC and young people are now gravitating to social media. No, I think you're exactly right. And I think, you know, this story about Martin Bashir is the start of something that's been happening for quite a long time. But actually, I think it's been accelerated by COVID. 
the coverage of COVID-19 yeah. because, you know, you were broadcasting, I was broadcasting during that period. Mm. So much of the abuse on Twitter was, we don't believe you, why should we trust yeah. you? Yeah. You're trying to sell us a vaccine. I'm not trying to sell you anything. Yeah. I'm reporting the news, but it's become so twisted yeah. that people don't want to trust you anymore. And the fact that people are getting their news from TikTok shows you that they want to remove that layer, that yeah. sort of edifice, if you like. And that's why it's so important, you know, to be on Twitter, to be on YouTube and Completely. to give people... I, think it's, I mean, we know with our show yeah. that we have sometimes a lot more people watching in other ways than watch conventional television. It's been fascinating on YouTube, on the app, on the various social media platforms. Really interesting to, to know. It's a, it's a sea change. My son's in their 20s. None of them really watch TV. They watch stuff in other ways. But I think that's why it's important not to go to come down too hard on the BBC or, or, or any of the big broadcasters, actually, because you still need those big news organisations with their blue ticks and their verifications to be reporting the facts. Because, as we know, the big thing that we really need to counteract consistently is fake news. Right, so that's and the problem. Very, but when, but when the BBC problem, behaves like it did over the Savile scandal and over the Bashir Diner scandal, that trust gets taken down. It does, that's but, that, but that's why they've apologised and they've paid out. And I do also think these things, mm. for a lot of teenagers, by the way, were a long time ago. I don't think that's about their behaviour, about why they're on TikTok. Mm. It's because they're on it's TikTok. About, well, I mean, trust is about is basically the BBC's core offer, isn't yeah. it? And if it can't be trusted, what's the point? But the other point I would make is I don't think young people are necessarily choosing these mediums because they're trustworthy. It's because they're fast and they're entertaining. Well, yeah, you say and that. They're on them anyway. The BBC is not always quick enough with stories. That's true. But yeah. I know, for instance... An actor friend of my middle boy, uh, he's an actor, he does TikTok video explainers, yeah. 45, yeah. 50 second explainers, to music. Big and they're all completely yeah. factual. They're yeah. getting 10 million yeah. views, these things. Yeah. It's, it's incredible. Yeah. And that's the kind of way that young people are getting their information. I was talking about Joe Biden. Joe Biden has COVID, which means he's apparently under White House uh, rules. Well, he, let's hear his announcement first. Hey, folks, guess you heard. This morning I tested positive for COVID. But I've been double vaccinated, double boosted. Symptoms are mild, and uh, and I really appreciate your inquiries and your concerns. But I'm doing well. I'm getting a lot of work done. I'm going to continue to get it done. And uh, and in the meantime, thanks for your concern, and keep the faith. It's going to be okay. I mean, he's now going into isolation till he tests negative. There'll be a lot of people, including Democrats in America, hoping that takes a very long time because his presidency, according to latest polls, mm. Kate, absolutely in the cart. Mm. His approval rating's about as low as any president in modern times now. Yeah, and I think yesterday, didn't he accidentally say that he had cancer? Yeah, he well, he had had a form of skin cancer when he was young. But he, but he updated, it, he updated yeah. it to make it sound like he still has it. Exactly. I mean, it's gaff after gaff after gaff. Yeah, and I think... He is like almost a dead man walking. It's sad to watch. Well, and sometimes falling off bikes, right? And yeah. that's that's what concerns people Stationary bikes. Him. Even <laughs> I don't do that. <laughs> and I think that's the problem, because this is the leader of the free world. This is somebody who, especially, as you said, in a time when we have a war in Ukraine, it's not just about Russia. There are huge tectonic plates moving around China, Massive. too. There needs to be steady leadership. I think if you're Putin watching Biden at the moment, you're just licking your lips, aren't you? The weakness of the, of the leader of the free world. Quick question about women's football, which mm. I watched it last night, the women lionesses. And I had a bit of fun on Twitter saying these were people who menstruate playing great football, which, of course, got me into terrible trouble. But I was being ironic because I'm so sick of women not being able to call themselves women. They were brilliant last night. The, 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 mm. the ability of this team now, compared to what it was even 10 years ago, they'd, they'd be better than the Arsenal first team the way they go. You enjoy it? No, I love it. And also, uh, as someone who, in my first newspaper job, took the um, took sports 
team to task in conference once morning saying, by the way, you don't have a single women's sport in your pull-out sports section and you haven't for 30 whole days. Oh, wow. I think it's absolutely great yep. that we have proved that football played by women is being is becoming a huge pull and for becoming commercial. And, oh. and, and that's the key. Big crowds, big, big money. Crowds, big money. I want to leave this. It was a fantastic pack, by the way. I want to leave you with the favourite music, I think, which sums up tonight. Piers Pack. It's the Charlie's Angels theme tune, <laughs> which we're going to adapt to Piers' Angels. Thing, Even it? if you don't see yourselves as angelic, <laughs> I do. So thank you, Angels. Uh, we love it. And keep it uncensored <laughs> out there.